All right. Good morning, guys. Hey, I love to share with you stuff that's never happened to me before. And something happened between the 9 a.m. and 10.45 a.m. service I want to share with you. One of my friends, she's one of our church mothers, awesome lady, walked up to me and she had a bag. And in this bag, she told me, she said, yesterday I cooked desserts for my family. She said, and in this bag, she started listing all the desserts she had. And then she pulled out two styrofoam bowls and said, this is, I think, Texas mud cake or something like that. She said, I have one for you and one for Beth. That's my wife. And then she said, make sure you hide them. <laughs> so Pastor Deborah, I'm going to put these in your possession because, because no, I, I think so. You're the right person because I don't trust him. I don't trust him. I definitely don't trust him right there. Those pieces of cakes have no chance of making it through service. But it did bring up a good idea. That would be kind of cool to ten, at the 1045 service if we just delivered some pastries sometime. Yeah. yeah, so we just kind of pass them out like we do at Venture. You know, Venture is cool because when you sit through Venture, people bring out desserts and food. And so maybe 1045 service will do that. Hey, I used to go to a lot of movies at the movie theater. I just love doing that. And I spent a lot of time at the movie theater, especially in the summers. I would start reading about the movies that were going to come out. I would see the previews. And it was just part of my identity to be the guy who had seen most of the movies in the summer. And I would talk to people about them. But not so much today. I, don't go, I can't remember the last time I went to the movie theater. Of course, there's a lot of factors, uh, contemporary factors for that. But this started way before those factors uh, were in play. I, I stopped going to the movie a lot years ago. I don't know exactly when it happened, but it was probably some Friday night that I thought, hey, now that TVs are high definition, why go out, right? <laughs> why go? That, why the hassle? This looks really good. Um, I, I quit previewing movies and wondering what was going to come out in the summer. I quit talking about them with my friends. I can say that at one time, going to the movie theater was like a hobby to me, and now it's something I rarely do. So, so I don't hate going to the movie theater. I don't drive by the movie theater and, and have a traumatic reaction and think, I have terrible memories. I don't want to ever want to talk about the movie theater again. I don't want to remember that. I just am indifferent. I don't follow the award shows. I don't know who won what. I enjoy going back occasionally, but it's not a big part of my life. I say all of this uh, because usually we don't make a decision to stop caring about something. We, we kind of drift into indifference. I can't remember the day that I said, from now on, I don't like going to the movie theaters. But I just kind of drifted into indifference, and it's not a big deal anymore. And that's one of the reasons I want to talk to you about, um, about indifference and how easy it is to let that be part of our life. We're in this series called CIL Resurrection. We're in the middle of Easter. I know we had Easter Sunday, but we are in the Easter season and I'm just asking God to resurrect values, resurrect things important to us. And so today I want to talk with you about the resurrection of care. The resurrection of care. What is it in our life that God has called us to care about? 
And specifically, I want to just give that to you. We should care about the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ, the message that Jesus Christ voluntarily came, died on a cross, rose again on the third day. That is our hope. That's the hope of the world. That's why we exist. And one of the reasons that we continue to share our our mission statement is so we can remember why we exist. Here's our mission statement. Pastor Jacob mentioned it just a few minutes ago. We exist to know his love and to share his love. We exist to know his love and share his love. I love Bible teaching, Bible studies. Testify night, tomorrow night is going to be great for the great work all of our 242 leaders have done. Our men's Bible study, our women's Bible studies, those are wonderful. I love knowing his love. I love Pastor Aubrey's ministry of music. But simultaneously, I want to share his love too. And it's easy just to get so wrapped up in this world that we forget about our real life in the world to come. So on Palm Sunday, I gave some definitive statements on why I'm praying for CIL to grow. I'm praying for CIL to grow because I can't make our church grow. If I could, I would have done it a long time ago. But I'm praying for God to move and I, want, I wanted you to know then, and I want to remind you now, reasons why I want you to pray with me and work with me and partner with God for our church to grow. And one of them is because we care. Here is one of the eight definitive statements we talked about. It's this. We care about the unchurched of North Nashville. We care about the unchurched of this North Nashville region. Why did I say North Nashville? I'm talking about the people who will drive to our church. You know, people from Williamson County, not, they're not going to drive to our church. They're not likely to do so. Uh, we, we know this, that we, we have influence in Hendersonville and Gallatin and, and Goodlettsville and White House and Madison. And I think over time, as we get more stuff here in Hendersonville, more people from East Nashville and Madison will come. And uh, Old Hickory's not very far away. I, saw, I see Charles and Ann back there, so I have to give a cry out for Old Hickory. They've been driving from Old Hickory for 17 years, and you guys are such a blessing to us. So this, this is the people that we're living with. We're living amongst the, the places we work, the schools we attend, the neighborhoods that we walk. We care for those people who are unchurched. And there's a couple of types of of unchurched people. There are people who don't know Jesus, who have not heard the gospel, haven't heard the message. And then sadly, there's a lot of Christian people who have believed the lie that church is not important. They're de-churched. And we love those people. We miss them. We miss them. We don't want to communicate Oh, those people, they're in old church along. They're terrible people. We just want to communicate to them, we miss you. We need the whole body of Christ. We need everyone that God has assigned to this church to be part of this church because we are better together. And we do more for the kingdom of God together. And that closeness and proximity we have when we have a Sunday morning worship service and we have a 242 group and a women's Bible study and we have a WANA and youth service and we go on mission trips together. We go on the Israel pilgrimage together. That closeness and proximity creates the community that glorifies God. So we are a family and we always will be a family, but we're a family expecting guests. 
Can I tell you that something awesome happened to me between services today? I'm so pumped about this. I was talking to one of our 242 leaders, a wonderful lady. Just I respect this lady so much. And in mid-sentence, she interrupted me, put up a finger and said, I need to go talk to some visitors. I was like, hallelujah. It's a divine interruption. Cut me off. You can talk to me later in the day. If you see someone who's visiting, we're, we're a family expecting guests. And we're just, we're just our family's open. The living room's open. There's a place at the table for you. And so it is that, that just like my experience with movie theaters, I don't hate movie theaters. I enjoy going to them, but I'm indifferent to them now. If we're not careful, we can become indifferent to, as a term I've learned from Pastor Jacob, wandering neighbors, people who are in our orbit that God has called us to connect to. So I just pray that the Lord would just soften our hearts today. And he's going to do so through the story of Jonah. And Jonah is a, is a great story, maybe the first story of a sent one, a missionary, sent from God's unique people to a people who were outside of the kingdom of God. The Assyrians were the enemy, and God sent Jonah to the enemy. It would be like you today getting a call to North Korea or to Iran. And you would think, well, that's, that's our enemy. It's dangerous. Th- those people, it's even worse, really, in the, the gravity of what happened because there was a huge power imbalance. And Jonah knew that it was inevitable that Assyria would overtake the nation of Israel. And so there was, there was a bitterness. There was a anger. There was a resistance to that. And in this story, I want you to see the Jonah in you because I've certainly seen the Jonah in me. And there's three categories I want to give you today of care. And here's the first category. Don't care. (laughs) Don't care. And you're going to see through the scripture that Jonah did not care about the souls of the Assyrians, of the people of Nineveh. I'll read this scripture and at the end, I'll present it as the word of the Lord. So I forgot to tell you this part of it. Uh, I got to give you a little bit of background before we read the scripture. God told Jonah to go to Nineveh and Jonah went the opposite direction. So if you don't remember this, he was swallowed by a fish. He was thrown back up. And so he finally went to Nineveh. He preached and they repented and God relented and he wasn't happy about it. I mean, think about that. People give their life to the Lord and he's ticked off about it. That's where we pick up the story in Jonah chapter four, verse one. Jonah was greatly displeased and became furious. He prayed to the Lord, please, Lord, isn't this what I said while I was still in my own country? That's why I fled towards Tarshish in the first place. I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in faithful love, and one who relents from sending disaster. And now, Lord, take my life from me, for it's better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, is it right for you to be angry? 
Jonah left the city and found a place east of it. He made himself a shelter there and sat in its shade to see what would happen to the city. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So because I've been around here for a while, I've got a little bit of of a problem. When I tell you stories about when I was a younger pastor, I was a younger pastor here at this place. So I've been here so long, some of the stories I want to tell, I can't tell. But I want to stay here a lot longer, so I'm going to have to just go with it now. So years ago in this church, there's a guy that I still love and respect. I see him every once in a while. He's not in this service, and he wasn't in in this morning's service. So hopefully he won't watch the video. I I was like my second year here, and I was preaching on CIL Global. And I was just really calling people to a missions mindset, to a mindset to go into all the world. And during that time, people were kind of sliding out of the church. And, and some of them said, I don't want to hear about missions. I want to hear practical stuff. Okay, fair enough. And, and I'm thinking, fair enough, and it's something I learned as a young pastor, how I present this. So I was having this conversation with this man and going over that dynamic. And he was probably about my age now, and I was in my 30s. And he said, Aaron, I know you're preaching on missions and, and globalism and all that stuff, but here's the deal. I'm 40 and don't give a damn. I was like, okay. Now, I don't know if that was a phrase from the 80s or something. I don't know. I haven't been able to research that. But he just said, you know, I just, I just don't really care. And, and um, at the time, I thought, man, what a terrible way to live. Now I think, eh, I kind of know what that guy's thinking now. I kind of understand what it's like to just have been exposed to so much and seen so much that now I just don't give a D-A-M-N. See, I didn't say it because I was quoting him earlier. And now that I'm saying it, I'm spelling it out. So there's something that as we get experience we can get a little more lackadaisical. We're a little less ideal. We're a little less trusting. And it's like, ah, I've heard this before. This is where I want God to resurrect care in me and care in you. Because he hasn't called us to live our life unaffected. He hasn't caused us to live our life as if we don't care. There's a resurrection of care. Ezekiel 18 is an amazing scripture. If you read the whole chapter of Ezekiel 18, you'll see that God's people understood God differently in a positive manner. Because in the Torah, it made it clear that the children would be cursed for the father's sins. And the children would be blessed from the father's sins. And we know this to actually be a general truth of cycles of poverty and cycles of blessing, cycles of godliness, cycles of sin. So we know that generally to be true. But in Ezekiel 18, God used revelation to point to the individual person's responsibility. Knowing that it's the individual and their position before God that is, that is who God will judge. And we find within this amazing portion of scripture, an incredible revelation of God's heart that I want us to read today. Ezekiel chapter 18, starting with verse 21. 
as God's explaining this through his prophet, he says, but if the wicked person turns from all the sins he has committed, keeps all my statutes, does what is just and right, he will certainly live, he will not die. None of the transgressions he has committed will be held against him. He will live because of the righteousness he has practiced. Do I take any pleasure in the death of the wicked? This is the declaration of the Lord God. Instead, don't I take pleasure when he turns from his ways and lives? Now, skipping down to verse 32. For I take no pleasure in anyone's death. This is the declaration of the Lord God. So repent and live. This is an amazing understanding of God that we see here. That God doesn't want anyone to perish. God doesn't want anyone to die. God wants all to live. And that's why he's offered repentance through Jesus Christ. And Ezekiel was preparing people for the need for Jesus. And so I love God's heart revealed in the scripture. I don't want wicked to die. To die. I want them to repent. I want them to live. I, I, want, I, I take pleasure when people obey me. Verse 32 said, I take no pleasure in anyone's death. This is the declaration of the Lord God. Guys, I want us to find God's heart. And it's not God's heart when we say, I don't care. And that's why we need the Holy Spirit and the guidance of Scripture to keep our hearts soft, moldable, and caring for the people God cares for. And God cares for people who are far from him. God cares for people who have been in the church, but they've been hurt by the church. God cares about the one who was plucked away. Even though 99 is a lot out of 100, there's that one that's missing from the flock, and he wants us to reach out to that one. He wants us to send that text, buy that cup of coffee, invite that person to sit with us. Next week is a great, great Sunday to invite a mom to church. doesn't matter if she's raising a child now or has raised a child or maybe it's a female who is a mentor. She's not, she hasn't been a, a, a mom in a conventional standpoint, but she has that mother's heart. We're going to honor them. That's not the only thing we'll do next week. It'll be a normal service, but it's just a great way to say, come sit with me. Come be with me that day. That's not something we do. It's who we are. It's the heart of God. It's the heart of God that's reaching out. Jonah did not have that heart. In fact, Jonah did not enjoy the fact that the goodness of God was coming on people he didn't like. And I want us to reflect on that. Are there people that you are so irritated by, so angry with, so mad at, that if they repented and came to the Lord, you would be a little ticked off internally. Well, that's something to think about. So when we don't care, here's the second category, we have misdirected care. We start caring about things that really are not that important, that are not eternal, that don't really matter. And I, I see this starting with verse 6. It says, then the Lord God appointed a plant. We see the sovereignty of God here. And it grew over Jonah to provide shade for his head, to rescue him from his trouble. Jonah, look at this, was greatly pleased with the plant. 
And when dawn came the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant. Can I say something parenthetically? That same worm is alive in my garden. Because <laughs> every year I buy these beautiful plants and they don't make it. Back to the word of the Lord. And it withered. As the sun was rising, God appointed a scorching east wind. The sun beat down on Jonah's head so much that he almost fainted. And he wanted to die. He said, it is better for me to die than to live. Then God asked Jonah, and here's a question I have for you guys today. Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Yes, it is right, he replied. I'm angry enough to die. And the Lord said, you cared about the plant. Let's just stop there for now. Yeah, we'll start there. So let me ask you this question. What are you so angry about? What makes you angry? There's this culture, cultural stereotype. Have y'all ever heard of this? I'm hoping you have. Get off my front lawn. Have y'all heard that phrase? No, yes, if you heard that before. If not, I'll move on. Okay, thank you, Joe. Joe's heard it. All right, this, this idea of get off my front lawn. It's like the grumpy old man or grumpy middle-aged man or grumpy Gen Xer who says, you know, cares more about the lawn than the kids playing on the lawn. And I get curious about this. It's like, how did this become such a thing? And so I actually researched this phrase. After World War II, the veterans came back and it was a sign of affluence to have a patch of grass that had no purpose but for care and to show off. And so these guys would, and they would work in their yard, probably to avoid their kids, and work in their yard. And then they would say to the kids, stay off it. And then their kids did the same thing in the 70s. And then David Letterman made it a joke in the 1980s. And so that's where the phrase, get off my lawn, kind of became part of our collective lexicon. So this idea of get off my lawn is this idea of like I care more about the grass than I do about the people who walk or play on the grass. And I see this in this passage here that Jonah loved that plant. Loved it. I mean, it grew up out of nowhere. It gave him shade. It protected him. He didn't plant it. God grew it, and God took it down. And I think about some of us, sometimes we love earthly institutions more than we love people. We love customs more than we love people. And then what that happens, and I can preach about this because God has dealt with me about this in my life. So I'm not pointing at you guys as much as sharing God's work within me. When I get so mad at culture, I can't influence culture. We can't change culture if we hate culture. To engage culture, we have to move past anger and into God's love. And it takes a work of his spirit to do that. Because people are angry. Someone gets angry at me every single day. Why? Because I drive the speed limit. <laughs> I talked about this on social media. If you, if you want to follow me, I'm trying to post a little more these days. We can have a dialogue through the week. 
I posted that on social media. Then all these people started saying, make sure you're not in the left lane. I'm like, I got it. I got it. I drive in the right lane until I have to pass. But the reason that I drive slow is because I'm cheap. And I got tired of paying tickets to the city of Hendersonville (laughs) and Gallatin. And so I was like, hey, I'm going to go the speed limit, respect the law. But because of that, I have felt the hate of people all around me. It's like we, we get to a red light, then they go, zoom past and kind of look at me all judgmentally and just, you know, feel the shame of being a law-abiding citizen. So it's like all this rage and anger. But that, that's kind of how us, like, we get, like, mad about stuff we shouldn't be mad about. It's like sideways energy. It's all this anger and rage. And, yes, there are huge concerns in this world and huge concerns in culture. And I, I address those and will address those. We've got to stand for truth, stand for God's word, you know, stand for um, the, the work of the Holy Spirit and morality in the world. But we don't have to be the guy that says, get off my lawn, because people matter and people make a difference. So we care for the world because God cared for us first. We don't care for the world because we're nice or even disciplined. We care for the world because we've received care from God. Now, our gospel reading, you'll have to read it later. Matthew 18, a long passage. Jesus tells a parable about a man who was forgiven what we think would be the modern equivalent to millions of dollars, an amount he could never pay back. And it's like his, his debtor had, his, the one who held the debt, released him. And then Jesus tells this parable that right after he was forgiven of millions he put someone else in jail for what we think were dozens of dollars and in Matthew 18 and we'll just look at one verse verse 33 in this story he said shouldn't you have also had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you shouldn't you have the shouldn't you give the same mercy you've received So brothers and sisters, one of the reasons we go back to the cross every Sunday and we are mindful of our sinfulness and more mindful of his mercy. We want Jesus to be big in our faith because he is everything in our faith. And so we go back to the cross and we think about his death and his resurrection. That's why the cross before you is empty. That's why Protestants, we don't have Jesus on the cross. We have them out of the grave. And and so we have an empty cross as our symbol. He's he's alive. He's alive and he's real. And we center on the gospel story, his death, his resurrection. And that causes a humility to come upon us that we have received mercy, therefore we give mercy. We have received forgiveness, therefore we, we give forgiveness. We have received the multiple chances, therefore we give multiple chances. So this leads me to my last category. We don't care, misplaced care, but what we want is divine care. God's care. That's what the word divine means. God's care. God's care. Look at this concluding verse in Jonah chapter 4, verse 11. There's so much to learn here. God, continuing what he had already said about Jonah mourning too much over this plant, said, so may I not care about the great city of Nineveh, which has more than 120,000 people who cannot distinguish between their right 
and they're left, as well as many animals. This thriving, what we would call a metropolitan place or a thriving city. It's in the remains of Nineveh's in modern-day Iraq. In fact, I've been told ISIS back in the late teens destroyed so many of the ruins of Nineveh. So that was a cultural loss. But I bring that up to know that this was a real city. It's not a mythical city. There are those who can access the ruins and remains. And the number given here, 120,000 people, is significant. It's much bigger than Hendersonville and Gallatin combined. It's not quite as big as all of Sumner County, but not close. I think Sumner County is about 180,000. That's from, that's from uh, Goodlettsville to Portland and all points in between. This, this scripture that we're giving this number, 120,000, the exact number doesn't matter. What matters is that every hair on the head of every one of those people were known by the Lord. And he loved them deeply. And he cared for them dip, deeply. And Jonah was one of his first uh, attempts to start the missionary heart that we have benefited from here in Tennessee. And we will benefit from as we send the gospel out from here. Now, I didn't address this at the beginning of my sermon, and I meant to, but I want to, now I want to address it. Some of you might like say, Aaron, I don't have the capacity to care. I've got problems in my business. I've got problems in my marriage. I've got problems in a relationship. I've got problems with my kids. I've got problems with my money. I, th these, are, these, these things are too much in my mind for me to care about the world. May I suggest to you that when you begin to become a person who cares about others and cares about the needs of the world, then every need that you have in your life, God will begin to meet those needs and fulfill those needs. The enemy wants you to be self-centered, self-focused, self-absorbed. And the enemy is taking so many incredible women and men out of kingdom work out of missional work, out of caring for the world. And they're believing the lie that I'm so focused on my health and my family and my career and my future retirement and my grandkids and my neighborhood, uh, not neighborhood, my home, I'll say that. I'm so focused on that that I don't have the capacity to care for the world. Can I just tell you that when you begin to care for the world, you begin to watch the dynamics of an anointing that comes on your occupation, an anointing that comes on your marriage, an anointing that comes on your kids, an anointing that comes on your work with your coworkers. You watch what God begins to do when you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then everything, every need, the scripture says, will be added unto you. Every provision will be added unto you. Listen, don't wait and say, someday I'll care about the world. Someday I'll care about North Nashville. Someday I'll care about mentoring kids. Someday I'll care about my neighbors and about people that I live with. Someday I'll care about my country. No, no, now is the time. I don't care if you're 16 or 66 or 106 or any point in between, even if you're below 16. 
This is a time to let a resurrection of care come. You care because God cared for you. You don't care because you're trying to earn God's favor. You care because you've already received God's favor. You don't care because you're trying to earn your way into heaven. You care because the God that you serve did for you what you can't do for yourself. It's called amazing grace because it's something that cannot be produced by man. It cannot be uh, manufactured. It cannot be mimicked by another religion. It is amazing grace. It is God transforming the heart. Only God can do that. Your heart can't be transformed by motivational speech speeches. Your heart can't be transformed by the latest trendy book. Your heart can't be transformed through the greatest discipline. The only thing that transforms a heart is the touch of God on your life. And God has cared for you. Therefore, you can care for others. Guys, I want to invite those who are able. Let's stand together. And and I want to read one more scripture to you, but as I'm reading that scripture, I'm going to invite those who are going to distribute communion to prepare themselves. Pastor Aubrey will be making his way up here to minister to us in music. But there's a scripture that um, you may have heard before, but I want you to read it with me, or not out loud, but read along with me silently as if you've never read it before. For God loved the world in this way, that he gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And that's why we care. We care because God cared for us. We care because God sent his love to us. We're only able to love, the the Apostle John taught us, because he loved us first. So I just pray that these last few minutes we have together, then into this afternoon and into this week, when you reflect on Jonah and his ending, and you reflect on this message today, that the Holy Spirit would soften your heart and that you would care again You would care once again.